Hey everybody, Todd here. I just wanted to give you a heads up on this episode. We had some technical issues with Mikey and Paige's side of the audio. So you pretty much are getting my normal audio and then Mikey and Paige are going to sound a lot like they're on a Zoom call because that's what it is. I record the Zoom call as well and we had to defer to that audio for them. So I do apologize. Believe me, I pride ourselves in how great our podcast sounds week after week. So putting on an episode that does not sound stellar breaks my heart heart but we thought it was better to put out an episode than miss a week so forgive us it shouldn't happen again we've already taken steps to make sure it doesn't and again sorry it is a great episode so please stick with us you're gonna love it i promise this episode brought to you by the following patrons amy william karoon sasha scott dave eddie ori brandon awesome possum blossom isaac jeff oh their bones kate tristan matthew nick b and chris and chris and the rest of the patrons want you to know that you are loved you are listened to and you are an awesome member of this horror virgin community and if you want to hang out with all of us please do so in the facebook group or in the discord server or both they're both popping off every day or whatever. I'll probably cut that part because it sounds really No, good. no, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it. <laughs> keep it all. Keep it all. No edits. So it has come that special time of the month where we shout out our lovely and awesome You Can Get It level shout out sponsors. And they are Maggie Moo, Megan, Xavier, Veronica, Tyler, Alicia, Shannon, Mandy, Maya, Daisy, Juan, keeping up the good work, Jenny, Ashley, Richie, Nicole, Jennifer, Tia, Irene, Lauren, and Laura. So thank you guys so much for being our You Can Get It level sponsors, and you guys can truly get it. And if you're looking to cash in your You Can Get It sponsorship, talk to Mikey, and he will be the one giving it to you. <laughs> Consensually. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> then you will not have to get it. I don't want it. <laughs> Mikey said no edit, so I can't cut it. <laughs> okay. All right. One take. This is the weirdest episode of Battlestar Galactica ever. <laughs> Actually, no, it's not. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. Now, Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin, Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, the listeners made us watch. Oculus. Oculus. Yeah. So this was the first time, I believe, that we have all seen this movie. Is that right? Yeah. That is correct. This me. is uh, Oculus Prime. Uh, I'm Prime <laughs> being one, meaning yeah. the first time we've all watched it. Yeah, absolutely. One take. <laughs> I liked when the mirror turned into a truck. <laughs> so we're going to get some true first impressions from all of us. So what did you guys think the first time you watched it for this? I'll go first. All right, okay. listeners. I like Mike Flanagan. I like scary movies. I liked some of the <laughs> concept of this movie. I thought it was neat sometimes where we go from future to past. But it took me 20 minutes to figure out that the family was the same as the people. As, as I children. do not know how that was not clear to you. <laughs> Wait, are you serious, Mikey? I was really yes, tired. Yes, he texted us so about tired. it. Really? He was texting us about it as he was so, watching I it. So yeah, I was editing late last night. I had no idea what was going on in that group chat. I, I had no idea that you did not know it was the same family. How did you miss that? No, I, I, I figured it out, and I was like, I am the dumbest person. Yeah. 
I just gonna blame it to like I was at work for like forty hours and then I watched the movie. Yeah, uh, I will say that I did not like the movie. Think it was scary or you didn't think it was scary? No. Oh my god! The only part that scared me it was when they like did alarm clock voices or whatever. Yes, that was, the only part that was that real me. creepy. Yeah, but other than that, it's like ooh, glowy eyes. Ooh. This movie really scared me. It was really? terrifying. Yes, really. Yes. It was very scary. Dude, 13 minutes in, when you see that lady behind the dad, Alan or whatever his name is, just like chilling and like he walks by her as he's, he, as he's walking to the kitchen, that creeped me out. I also watched this late at night. like while You ne- might not be used to ladies walking behind you to go to the kitchen. <laughs> Wait, that sounded sexist. That, I, but I mean, in yeah. like a sexual way. No, that doesn't come and out right And you said either. earlier, no cut, so it's got to stay. No, no cut, one take. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, You've never had a lady that you've highly respected and you have a mutually beneficial relationship go to the kitchen? No, I mean, I live with my girlfriend, so that happens all the time. It's not scary, but... Exactly, Todd. No, but in this movie, it's very scary. I was super scared by this movie. We'll talk about it when we get to scary scale. Also, first impression, the ending is a hot mess, and I did not... The ending made me really not like it. Yeah, so I like Mike Flanagan. I've seen a bunch of his stuff at this point. I think he is a phenomenal storyteller. I feel like this was early in his career, and he's much better now. I did not like the way this story ends. I don't like nihilistic endings. I know a lot of people do And if you like nihilistic endings I could see why you liked this ending This ending to me felt like a cop out And we'll talk about it when we get there But that's my only real criticism of it Because I hated it because I'm scared Of everything really So like I understand like if you like horror movies This is a great scary movie And if you like nihilistic endings I could see why you liked it I'm ready for Paige to put what I was saying into better words And say it No pressure, Paige. Yeah, thank you. Uh, No shade to Mike Flanagan. He has made some very, very good films. I I will agree with you. I feel like this movie has a severe pacing problem where the back hour of this movie, I found myself just half the time going like, what the hell is going on? I can't even be scared because I don't understand what's happening. I feel like the first hour of this movie is like a therapy session, but then it throws all of that away. But then it sets up so many crazy rules for this like magical object that we end up never really understanding. And because we don't ever really understand it, we're just fumbling for an hour. And I will say the cinematography in this movie is great. It's very, very cool whenever we switch from an adult to a child view yeah but the problem is they do it so much that i was having trouble tracking where people were and like the it seems like the mirror could like project you in other places but then is it astral projecting are you actually in front of the mirror you never know you never know and we because we don't even really get clear boundaries for what this can do i don't know whether to be scared or just confused i think everyone in this movie performance wise does a great job i think those kids do a great Mm -hmm. job yeah Uh, i think the grown-ups do a great job it's shot great there are some really interesting scares in this movie the one thing that this movie a hundred percent has going for it is very unnerving imagery and scares. But in a more organized, structured movie, I could see this being so, so scary. They set up this really cool concept of like a cursed object. Yeah. And this girl had figured out all the rules and was going to like try to fight it or like 
figure it out. And then I was like, oh, I'm super interested in this. So like, you know how many feet to stay away. You know how to like reset things. Right. But then they throw all that away and then it just becomes a mess. That's what I did not like about the ending of it. I was super excited, even though I was very scared in the first like 20 minutes because there is a few scares that early on in the movie. When she lays out, I have prepared this long. I even talked to Natalie before she fell asleep. I was like, this is, I think, very interesting because this lady knows the rules. She has prepared safety nets and she is ready to fight whatever this is. I'm excited to see whatever this is and watch them beat it. And then we never find out really what it is and they lose. I think my frustration ultimately with that is we spend so much time with her talking through her technology and all of her plans and all of her research. And it gives us the sense that we're going to figure it out. They are going to try and beat it. But then what we learn very soon into them being kind of trapped in the house is that once this mirror gets going, every single piece of tech they have is unreliable. It can affect everything, apparently. It is an omniscient and omnipresent entity, and there's nothing you can do. And once we realize that that's the case, there's still 40 more minutes left in the movie. Why am I watching this? I don't like characters who have no agency for that long. Yeah, I'll unlock a fun fact early, if you don't mind. Yeah, 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 sure. So Mike Flanagan actually wrote this script considerably before the movie got made, and it was shopped around at studios in 2006, 2007, so like very early. I saw in the credits, they actually say, based on a short story by Mike Flanagan and some other guy, I can't remember his name, forgive me. But yeah, so I saw that in the credits. Right, and they shopped it originally and were offered deals for it if they would shoot it as found footage. And controversial statement. And I don't know that they could have done it justice at the time. I am here for a found footage version of this movie. What does the camera actually show? That's what I want to know. I am here for that, yes. And and they refused to do it found footage. They wanted to do it this way. But I think that's the problem because she introduces the camera as an impartial observer and that that's why they have the cameras. Yeah. And we do get some scenes later on where the indication is the reason he's being arrested and all of this stuff is because they have it on camera. But then throughout the whole time that they're in the house, they can't trust the camera. And they keep separating, which really pissed me off. They keep separating. We're seeing so much of their perception and not reality that we have no idea what's happening. You know, I, I think a found footage movie of this would be very different. But I am here for a found footage movie that debunks the perception of what we've seen, where like we are with them for their perception the whole time. But at the end, we get the actual footage of like what actually happened, because at the end of the movie, we don't know. We really don't know what happened for this 12 hours or whatever it's been. That's my big problem with it. Like if we had any answers at the end, even if they didn't beat it, but we knew exactly what really happened yeah. or, and we knew how to beat it. They just failed or whatever. Cause in my mind, this thing is unbeatable. There's no way to actually beat it. It's unbeatable. It's just going to continue killing people. So when I, when the uh, mirror cracked, when the dad like didn't do what it was wanting to do, yeah. He shot himself and then the mirror cracked. I was like, oh, that's how they're going to beat it. Right. And no, nothing, and no. that never came back. No. I do want to say, though, because, Paige, you were talking about how well it's shot. And I do think it is shot very beautifully. It's a very well shot movie. And the guy who is the cinematographer on this is a guy named Michael Fimagneri. Mm-hmm. And he, he did all of The Haunting of Hill House. So he has worked okay. with Flanagan since this. 
to great effect because that thing is very well oh, shot. I love Hill House. Yeah. I, I thought Haunting of Hill House was done incredibly well. I just like to give cinematographers their due because everyone assumes it's the director that does that, and right. it's not. I think you see echoes of what Hill House would eventually be yes. in this movie a I little agree. bit too. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, but let's get into this movie because we got a lot to talk about. So we open on a young girl with blood on her face as she's looking through a cracked door. Through the cracked door, we see a man walking through the house with a gun. She peeps out and it's we kind of she kind of opens the door a little more we see that it's her and her brother yeah and they quietly make their way to the front door and struggle with the lock they turn to see a ghostly figure with light eyes in the room to their left yeah and as the man with the gun turns and aims at them suddenly the man is now a young man not the old man that we've seen before and he fires we cut to a therapist's office where the young man holding the gun in what we will find out as a dream is telling his therapist, like, I've never been holding the gun before, but I am in this dream. And the therapist basically is like, great, you have overcome your delusions, you're safe for release, which is how we kind of find out that he is in an institution. Mikey, do you want to weigh in on this a little bit? <laughs> well, this is not how things work i didn't think so <laughs> first off i don't know if anyone would commit this kid for like 12 years there had to be a lot of physical evidence of the dad hurting the mom even if he straight up shot the dad for murdering the mom i think he still would have got off with just like a like a couple years that's yeah. that's just the legal yeah, standpoint yeah, yeah. mental health wise one not big on dream interpretation i mean as yeah. a science especially if you're going to get out of jail for killing someone and then um that's not how delusions work yeah, the, well, this movie also relies on something that we had to do a whole bunch of research on cult podcast uh, about, which is unlocking repressed memories. Yes, which is a very dangerous, very dangerous game. Yeah, and and what we kind of you know uncovered is that like trauma messes with your memory like a lot. I thought that this movie was going to explore that a lot more than it does because they even sort of talk about that a little bit in one of the scenes. Yeah, well, the, okay, the implication so... of this movie is that the therapist that the son, Tim, spent time with created false memories to cover up his delusion, essentially. Right. So in my right. mind, a cool turn would have been that like she had done that to her memory of it and that she was actually just like trying to block out the trauma of her dad actually having affair, an affair and killing their mom. Uh, and what she had done is projected good word choice, all of that onto the mirror, and the mirror wasn't really anything. So what you wanted was Tale of Two Sisters. <laughs> that is Tale of Two, that, that is, is you just described the plot of Tale of Two Sisters. Yeah, I mean, but so yeah, sort of, because that actually I feel like narratively makes good sense. Me too, and, and I kind of thought that's how it was going to go, because we do spend so much time with her seemingly making irrational choices for what she perceives as an evil supernatural object and we spend time with the therapist that tim sees and he's like hey she has not had time to heal in the same way that you have you have had a support system she is not right and so i really thought that that's what they were setting up is just him having to fight to get her to like accept, accept the that truth. she is mentally unwell yes yeah and we go through his quote-unquote false memories in this movie that seems so much more reasonable than what the quote unquote reality is. Right. Memory is like notorious. Yeah. It's the, it's the worst witness. Trauma yeah. can repress memories. 
that, that there's that. So you might remember something and think that's weird. If you have, I mean, like, I don't remember any of that. And there's like, there's blocked time. There's lost time. Things like that is a like very legit thing. This is why this is also precarious to walk through. On the other side of that, you have, you can very easily implant memories as a therapist yes. or, or influence how people remember things. And that is a very dangerous thing to do. And that was, and a lot of people were victims of that a few decades ago. Uh, satanic panic. Yeah. And, yeah, um, satanic panic. Some people are still in prison over there, by the way. Yeah. Right. It's, uh, you just, you yeah. have to be very careful with that stuff and like walking people through trauma. I think therapists are way better equipped to do deal with that now and it's a way more exact science there's like trauma focused cbt therapy and emdr this is all stuff other stuff but i mean like also like that's what gets him released from prison is like oh in my dream i held a gun so he doesn't actually believe he held the gun he dreamed about right. it he right he dreamed about it <laughs> yeah. right in my mind the reason he got out was because he turned 21 which if he's a juvie and he killed somebody he'd be released at 18 right because you can like kill people when you're under no eight. you can i think you usually get released at 21 even if it's juvie Oh, really? I, I, I think it depends on the state. I think he had a strong case of like self-defense and yeah, or I think so something. too. So we cut to from the therapist's office and from them agreeing that they're going to discharge him to a redhead walking through an auction house. She joins a man in a suit and they watch the bidding on a mirror from the Levesque estate. They note as they're going through the auction that there's a small fracture in the lower corner of the mirror and that it's Bavarian black cedar. And they start the bidding at $10,000. And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This mirror was in a castle and we're going to start the bidding at the price of like a late model Honda Accord. I mean, it's a mirror, Paige. It's a million dollar mirror. What? That's is just, it? I mean, technically, yes, because it's a portal to hell and or demons or Satan or I don't know. It never gets explained, so it doesn't matter. But like, yeah, it's just a mirror, Paige. It's just a mirror, but they established that it hung in Balmoral Castle, which means yeah, that at one like, point it was the property of the royal family. And then they established who's had it since. And it was just like, it hung in a bank for a while. And then this lady in Wisconsin bought it. And, and it could like, be yours, Paige. If what? the price is it's right, come on down. You're the next contestant on Buy This Haunted Mirror. <laughs> oh my God, the price is right. Of like all the way from Kansas, object. and I can't wait to spin that wheel. <laughs> I was a little surprised they were like ten grand, and I was like, that seems like a steal for a haunted mirror. Nobody knows it's haunted, Paige. Yeah. I, I, this is the joke I wrote. I'll say it now. Um, what do you think your nudes look like in the haunted mirror? <laughs> Are you more attractive in the nudes you send or less think, attractive? Mikey, it's exactly the same, but your eyes are glowing. I would think it depends on if you tilt the mirror forward or backward. <laughs> I like the eyes glowing, so it's just like using a filter. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a Snapchat filter. Like, I'm part cat. Yeah. <laughs> I am not a cat. I am a lawyer. A lawyer sending you nudes in this mirror. Yeah, you guys didn't see it the last scene. It was just me naked, glowing eyes in the background, ashamed in the corner. That was the I was scariest like... part. <laughs> Mikey, that's what made it an 11 on the scary scale for me. <laughs> I was just like, I'm not like these other ghosts. I just, I died naked. I never do this. that's the best when she says i never do this and you're like yeah we've only been on twice so (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> I never do this. Here, let me get the tripod out. Yeah. I I once had no a girl shame. Use do a it if you want to do it, but you know you need a selfie stick if you want to get good nudes. I got tiny T Rex arms. I can get like <laughs> half a boob and a face into pictures. As you've Man. been able, if you've been following me on Instagram, you can tell how <laughs> you've bad seen my these fucking pictures. selfies are. <laughs> No. It's been so I'm, long. I'm I don't even know what half a boob looks like. Just look down, Mikey. <laughs> wow. That's so mean. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I laughed so hard. I almost passed out. Like, I could feel myself getting lightheaded. That's how hard I laugh. Holy so mean. shit. Is this the mirror version of Paige? <laughs> yes. Paige, your eyes I'm are glowing. Ch- I'm going to chain you into the pod corner. The pod corner? What's the pod? <laughs> He's referencing the hella BDSM vibes that we got in this movie. We, we'll talk about it in a second, Paige. We'll get there. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, when he collars his wife. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. And makes her eat plates. Because she wouldn't do the dishes. Oh, Mikey. <laughs> and Mikey, you're the one that said no edits. So this is on you. Yeah. One take. Never, never, ever agree to an episode with no edits. <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous anyway we cut to the therapist's office this is where we get the talk from the therapist about the support system and how she has likely you know processed the events that he went through in a different way and he basically does tell her like yes you absolutely should reconnect with her but you need to protect your recovery yeah we cut back to the auction where the mirror sells for sixteen thousand dollars the price of like a kia soul and (laughs) Akia gonna steal your soul. Yeah, <laughs> boom, we got it. No edits. Uh, she says to the man in the suit next to her, who we haven't been introduced to yet, but we will find out is her fiance. Yeah. That she basically says, I'll see you tonight. And she goes to the mental facility and picks her brother up. And they go out to what looks like a diner where she gives him a check for half of the estate, which we don't know how much that is. It's presumably a lot of money. I would assume so, too, right? It's half of the estate, not including what they would have made had they sold the house. Right, because they didn't sell the house. And they were obviously wealthy because their parents never worked. Well, their dad did. I mean, he was a software designer. It's it's confusing about what their dad did, because at first I thought he was a doctor, and then we find out he's a software designer. Yeah. Maybe he worked on a medical record software. Who knows? (laughs) Uh, I mean, I knows. That's what I do. But, like, (laughs) I I don't know what he was doing. That's what gave me the idea, Paige. (laughs) (laughs) So she says, we would love it if you came and stayed with us. So basically she's inviting him to stay with her and her fiance yeah and he says no he kind of puts some distance between them which i think is very smart i think it is he's got to protect that recovery baby yeah we find out that at a certain point he no longer wanted to see her as a visitor at the facility and is trying to clearly keep some distance between them now she tells him i found it and he's like what do you mean and she says you know and she says it wasn't easy I tracked it down and it's about to ship out to the buyer. So we only have a few days, but we have to keep our promise and kill it. And then we get to the first flashback really of the movie where it says 11 years earlier, which is how I don't know that Mikey didn't realize it was a flashback. I know. Like I was blown away that Mikey did not know that. I was tired. Well, I knew it was a flashback, but it took me like a little bit to be like, oh, it's the same people because I'm an idiot. The first step is admitting it. Uh, wow, you're definitely not Mike Flanagan. This 
<laughs> you should have stigma around your dumbness. Uh, no, sorry, don't. That's, be be as dumb as you want to be. I can't cut it, Paige. We're zero edits. No edits. So yeah. no, no edits. No edits. No edits. <laughs> anyway, 11 years earlier, it's it's the two of them as children. We see as they're moving into a house and they're playing laser tag. Yeah, they're always playing laser tag. Like, listen, I understand how he was able to shoot his dad at the end. He's had a lot of practice. <laughs> he had a lot of practice. <laughs> so they're playing laser tag. And we're there on the day that they're moving the mirror into the dad's office. And this is where we kind of get a sense that the dad is trying to like have a nice fancy office this is his home office it seems like they're kind of on the come up their new money as it were their new money they're the kind of money that mikey would look down on yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. because they they don't even know how to like restaurants and a painting yeah (laughs) they're too flashy all right too flashy with their haunted mirrors yeah i put my haunted stuff in the winter home like a real person okay (laughs) I invest my haunted earnings in the stock market. <laughs> if your haunted mirror is not making money for you, who are you? <laughs> I put my haunted mirror on the yacht just to tempt fate. I don't want it to be able to escape because of the implication. <laughs> no edits. All right. So I don't know why we got here. Anyway, so he's getting new furniture and it's like they're getting like a mix of like Ikea and fancy stuff. And it's implied that he dropped a lot of money on this fancy mirror. Yeah. He probably paid $10,000 for it. You know, inflation or whatever. Yeah. 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 yeah the yeah. price of like a 1998 Corolla. <laughs> <laughs> That's an Adam mm-hmm. Corolla. He was much cheaper back then. Yeah. 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 It's his, his per appearance fee. So we cut <laughs> to a hotel where she's dropping her brother off present day. Yeah. Uh, because he's, he's not going to stay with her. And she says, you promised me you'd never forget what really happened. You promised I'm going to do it tomorrow night and I could really use your help. And it's implied that at this point he has, it's like he recognizes the things that he thought and has filed them away as delusions. And so he's kind of like, please stop referencing my delusions. Yeah. This is not oh, beneficial for my recovery. <laughs> delusions? <laughs> <laughs> please don't reference Becky. It was all a figment of my imagination. I thought I was the Pope. I was going to strangle her. Don't worry about it. It's just a delusion. (laughs) She had this haunted mirror. It made me look like I was leaving in the middle of the night when she was asleep. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Anyway, we cut back to the flashback where Katie Sackhoff. Starbuck. Starbuck is looking in the bathroom mirror and she's looking at her C-section scar. Yeah. And she says that she feels like it's more noticeable. But this is why I thought he was a doctor. Because he, like, does this, like, oh, I'll look at it for you. And then they end up assumedly having sex. We don't see it, though. It's called playing doctor, Paige. <laughs> <laughs> he was checking her medical records. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just picturing Mikey playing doctor and being like, and how does me leaving make you feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> you should write it in your journal because I'm not answering. <laughs> Why don't you write a letter to me you'll never send? <laughs> I just want to be on a fly on a wall when Mikey breaks up with somebody. Oh, it's never good. It probably never happens. I'm like, if you need to talk to me, just turn to the haunted mirror. <laughs> Take a look at this ink block test. Does it look like I'm leaving? Because that's what's happening. <laughs> you see the blackness of it? That's me sneaking out into the night. I got to go. <laughs> that's your life after I leave you. <laughs> this is definitely something to do with your father. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> 
We cut to later that night when the dad is opening the fridge in the middle of the night. It's mostly empty because they just moved in and the pantry and cabinets are empty too. He trips over some boxes and spills a little bit of like the one juice box he found in the fridge onto his shirt. And as he walks towards the office, we see that there's a girl standing there. That scared the shit out of me. (laughs) And from this point on, I was on edge the entire movie because it's not really a jump scare. She's just there behind him with some glowy, creepy ass eyes. And he kind of goes to approach her. He turns the light on in the office, but then she's gone. Yeah. And he just sees the mirror and he turns the light back off and walks away. And for a hot second, I thought he was going to look like I because the camera stays on the mirror. I thought we were going to see her appear again in the mirror. We did not. Nope. It's just the mirror. Yeah. Do you know what her uh, favorite band is? What? Bright Eyes. Is that a band? It is a band. Is Bright Eyes a band? How dare you? How dare you? Did you not see my bangs in the Facebook group? (laughs) (laughs) They are an emo band. Oh, that's why I don't know them. Do you know who's emo the most? Ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) I like their first haunting, but not like their first, first haunting. Uh... (laughs) Every haunting after Pinkerton was terrible. Shivers Cuomo. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Every haunting after Pinkerton. Oh, that's great. That is great. Much like Fallout Boy, they are dead on arrival. Cut that out. No, wait, no edits. I love Fallout Boy, but that's not emo. Fallout Boy is not emo. It was classified as emo at the time, but I would call it pop punk. Yeah, it yeah. is very much pop punk. But that was that was my scene phase was primarily Fallout Boy and Panic at the Disco Drift. Yeah, I was about to say Panic at the Disco also was another one of those bands that is not really emo. Dude, Death of a Bachelor is like a perfectly written song. Anyway, we gotta move on. No edits, guys. We can't we can't dally no like edits. this. No edits. No edits. Welcome yeah. to the seven hour long <laughs> dissection. Welcome to Todd were sad in high school, but listen to some pretty cool music. About yeah. It. So we cut to present day where uh, Karen Gillan is in bed with her, we find out, fiance, and she hears a dog barking. She gets up to investigate, and as she walks, she walks into like the office, her dad's office. And for a hot second, I was like, how did she replicate her dad's office in her house? How does she already have the mirror? She stands in front of it and she turns, and her dad is there strangling her. Yeah. She wakes up screaming, it's a dream. And her fiance calms her down. Yeah, it's like a night terror. He even says you're having one of your night terrors. Yeah, this is not the first time this has happened to her. Right. Which, understandable. I mean, she's been through a lot. Yeah. We cut to the next day in a conference room. And she's leaving a note for someone, which never pays off. We never see it again. We don't know what it was. I have to assume it was for the fiance. Uh, And he kind of approaches her and is like, hey, I noticed that you put in a transfer order for this mirror. Do you want to explain that? And she's like... What? No, of course not. It's being repaired. I don't know. And then he says, do you want to explain why you've been printing out crime scene photos in the, like, communal printer? He even says, hey, I set you up on your own printer because other people in the office are sick of getting, like, dead bodies mixed in with their copies. Is that her fiancé? Yes. Yes, that's her fiancé. They have an inappropriate work relationship? Mikey, oh, the nerve. You should love this movie. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's perfect because then after he like gets with her 
an evil mirror kills her and he gets off scot free. No, he dies in the Mikey, house. Mikey? He gets murdered by I her. Thought that was a. I thought that was a, an illusion. What? No, movie? it's real. Did you watch? They spent twenty minutes with the phone and not the phone. They very vividly confirmed that that actually did happen. And then he comes back as a mirror person later. Yeah. <sighs> okay. See, okay. this is what I'm talking about with this movie being confusing. Well, they went back and forth like five times. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, so he basically is like, why you print out all these crime scene photos? And we'll find out later it's so that she can tell her brother about the history of the mirror. Yes. But regardless, he basically kind of is like, I'll give you some space while you deal with what you're dealing with. I know your brother's out. It's a whole thing. It'll be fine. And so she's like, cool, thank you. Everything will be fine in a couple days. So she goes to the warehouse where they have the mirror and basically tells them like, yeah, I'm transferring it to be repaired, but I'm going to take it myself. And so they go to get packing stuff. They leave her alone with it. She takes the drop cloth off it and starts talking to the mirror <laughs> it's just like hello again you must be hungry and i was like oh is this about to be a sexy mirror but it was not <laughs> <laughs> and then she sees the crack at the bottom and she's like i hope this still hurts and then in the mirror she sees three figures covered with drop cloths behind her yes and then she turns around and there's two then she turns back to the mirror there's three and then she turns back and then there's three in real life so she goes over and pulls the drop cloth out the first one. It's a statue. Yeah, it's like a bust of Socrates or some shit. Like, why right. would you? I don't understand why she pulled one, two, and then reached for the third. The only new one was the third. Start with the creepy one. It doesn't matter if you've got a bust of Socrates and, like, Madonna's head or whatever those two were. Figure out the new one. See, here's what I thought would have been a really, like, if you really wanted to jump scare people, like, really wanted to, she would have gone first one, statue. Yeah. Second one, because you think it's the third one, second one, ghost. Yeah, that'd be cool, too. And and that would have been the flip for it. that would have been cool, too. I would have hated it. But it would have been yeah. cool. This part was pretty scary. But yeah, I mean, this whole movie is really scary, Mikey. But instead of when she goes to reach for the third head or whatever, the moving guy walks up and scares her. Right. And she's like, oh, and he's like, are, are you OK? Are you OK? And then when she turns back, there's no extra. There's no third. Right. One. It's back to just two because she's starting to have delusions, I guess. I guess you could argue that she's within range of the mirror. But yes. why hasn't it affected anybody else? Because it's been in this warehouse for a while. Yeah, it works like Bluetooth, right? So like with. Within 30 feet, you are connected to it, and it's not specifically their family or whatever. It's anyone, right? Well, and then it also is more than 30 feet at a certain point. Like, once it gets you, it expands that radius. That's what I mean by this movie doesn't play by its own rules, really, where it's like it establishes rules and then it, it it's almost like it's saying, hey, she thinks she knows the rules, but she will never know the rules. Yeah. If that makes sense. I mean, because that's how I feel having watched this movie. I still don't know the rules of the mirror. I don't know this rules either. No, yeah. There's only one rule, and that's the mirror makes the rules and you die. Yeah, it's, it's like playing a game with like a four year old child. There are no rules and whatever it happens, they win. Really, they they really wanted to take it out. They should have just used Windex. <laughs> this mirror is clean. You, you, you think that the, the thing that's ha- making it be haunted is the fact that it's dusty? <laughs> dusty I think yeah. the mirror plays by big fat Greek wedding rules, and you just got to put some Windex on it. Hell yeah, yeah, Paige. What if you made Windex with holy water? <laughs> Boom. Just she, a holy water spray bottle? Did you think about that, Karen Gillian? I know all the rules. I have a million dollar business idea. Holy His water windows. Holy yeah. water. <laughs> so they wrap up the mirror for her. 
and she's going to have them loaded into her car. She gets a phone call and it's the brother, Tim, who's like, hey, I got a phone. And he basically says, hey, I don't like the way we left things. Can we meet up somewhere and talk? And she's like, yeah, come by the house. And he's like, okay, what's your address? And she's like, no, no, no. no. The house. The house. We cut to a flashback inside the house. There's dead plants all over the place. And the dad is working in his office. Just like anybody's house. Like who can keep plants alive? I know. Uh, He hears whispering coming from the mirror, and he thinks it's in his head. Meanwhile, the kids are playing laser tag outside, and the girl, Kaylee, stops and looks through the office window and sees what looks like a woman giving her father a shoulder massage in the reflection of the mirror. Right. We cut to dinner, uh, still in the flashback, where young Kaylee wants a phone. Her mom won't get her one. The dad is biting his nails bloody. Oh, man, I hated, hated that so much. Yeah, All I the didn't nail like that. horror in this movie, I was mm-hmm. not a fan of. Nail and teeth stuff really Ooh. gets me. But Flanagan does that. But Kaylee asks, who is that lady in your office today? And he's like, what lady? And she's like, I don't know, just some lady. And he's like, there was no lady. And I would like to state... Because at the time, I still thought he was a doctor because they hadn't said what he did. And I was like, well, yeah, HIPAA, he shouldn't tell her. (laughs) (laughs) But it turns out he's a software developer, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, HIPAA does not apply to software development. Yeah, we cut to present day and she shows up at the house with a dog that she has only called Dog. It doesn't have a name. And thankfully that dog gets away. We'll talk about that because, yeah, I was mad when I realized what the purpose was. I was real, yeah. real mad. I, I, I got it. <laughs> I can't cut things, Mikey. You got to stop that. No cuts. Uh, I like this. <laughs> as she's setting stuff up around the house, um, he basically walks around upstairs, and it's kind of dark even for midday. And he hears a jingling and looks and sees a chain in the wall. And then as soon as he sees it, it's gone. Yeah. And that doesn't pay off for a while. But then when it yeah. does, it's horrifying. It is horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. When when uh, when Marley comes back and warns him that if he doesn't become a nice person. Oh, you like from a Christmas carol? <laughs> <laughs> so as he is looking and the chain disappears, uh, Kaylee walks into the room and she just says, the house sat on the market while I was in the foster system. And it was released to me when I was 18. And I think we should just sell it. Yeah. Um, but will you help me with something before you go? And she has him help her move the mirror. And she, in the office, has set up a whole set of computers and monitors and booby traps and all kinds of stuff. Man, I loved this. I loved this part of the movie. Because I was like, she has done her research She is super prepared to fight whatever this is. It's going to be an awesome showdown between whatever this mirror actually is and this family. And it just wasn't. It never pays off. All of her research was wrong. It's so depressing. Yeah. And so she kind of walks him through all the stuff that she set up. She talks into the camera. He doesn't really want to be on video. But she's basically walking through the alarms, the timers, the cameras, the temperature sensors, everything that she has. Like all these safeguards and safety nets and a fail-safe like boat anchor that's got extra 20-pound weights on it that is going to smash the mirror if they don't reset a clock every 30 minutes. Right. Like that's awesome. Dude, when she says, I know we're going to beat it this time because this time we're fighting it with a gun to its head. I was like, yes, this is going to be dope. It wasn't. But then, no. Except I was like, why don't you just 
Smash it with it now. That's what I couldn't figure out. Why Why aren't we just killing it? I understand why they're not just killing it. Because they want to prove that it is doing what they're saying it's doing. So they can sort of clear their family, really their father's name. Right. And then, you know, everyone else who has also been killed by this thing, sort of absolving them of their suicides or murders or whatever happened to those right, people. Right, right, right. I got that part of it. But, I mean, none of that ever pays off, so... And they do establish that every time somebody has tried to kill it head on, that it deflects it, which I don't know why that doesn't. I don't know why that doesn't happen at the end either. But for the next few minutes, she basically goes through everyone who has previously owned the mirror. Yes. Which is like the royal family in London and then a man in the South named Robert Clancy. And then it's like back to the UK and then it resurfaces in Wisconsin. And then it's a lady in San Diego. And it basically takes it all the way up through 2002 when their family acquires it. Which I thought it establishes some sort of like monkey's paw rule of like the Harry Potter thing where you look in the mirror and you get what you want. And then like you get it and then it like kills you. Because like that, with that one person got, he was like super fat and then like became super skinny. Right. And then like and that, then like another not, woman had, But that wasn't because of the monkey paw. There is no monkey paw in this, Mikey. Just feeds off of you. Right. And you don't eat, you don't drink. That's why the timers were set up to make them eat and drink. The guy lost weight because he just was not eating or drinking. The only thing he was doing was staring into that mirror. Yeah, yeah. Right. Which later on I just thought it would be a cooler concept as a monkey's paw. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Where it, it shows you what you want to see, almost like a picture of Dorian Gray situation. I love yeah, yeah. That. And then it's like you oh. have to do this to get that. And Right. I, that's what I thought it was going in that direction instead of the not eating and drinking, which I, I thought was also an interesting direction. I liked it too. And they bring it up to 2002 with their father, Alan Russell, who is, this is where we find out that he was a software developer. Yeah. This is where we say that their mother, Marie, suffers a mental breakdown and she's tortured and murdered in their own home by Alan. And then Alan is shot to death by his son, And then we don't know what happened to the mirror in the intervening years. It looks like it floated around for a bit. Who knows? Yeah, and then that's why I I got – then I started questioning why he went to jail or a psychiatric facility for so long because I was like, that's pretty legit why you would shoot your dad. I mean my question was if they owned the mirror, she became the executor of the estate. She should have still owned the mirror. Why did she have to steal it from the auction house? Not steal it, but, you know, take it to quote-unquote repair it, you know? Here's the other thing, because they established that the house is on the market never gets sold, and it just sits in her name. Yeah. So I assume what happened is she went into the foster system, because she does talk about that, which is strange that I guess she must have had, like, A, no relatives, but somebody managing the estate for her until she became 18. Right. Because it's implied... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's implied that they sell everything and just couldn't sell the house. And so that's how the mirror gets sold. And so they then have the money from the sale of the estate. Okay. Which I think is how she has outfitted this house with like top of the line booby traps that don't work. Yeah. Anyway, he basically is like, why don't I just smash it? And she's like, oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead and smash it. He picks up a stool to do it, and then he doesn't. And she asks, why did you put the stool down? And he's like, well, it's not mine to break. And she's like, "Mm, sure, sure. I did like that a lot because he stops, turns around, starts talking to her, and then she's like, it seems like it just disarmed you. Right. I really like that. And this is where she talks about the... The failsafe, where if they don't reset that timer every 30 minutes, it's going to destroy the mirror, which 
this movie plays a lot with time where it seems like they go for hours without resetting stuff, but it must have only been minutes, yeah. which is very strange. So we flash back to the dad, Alan, working in his office, and he's typing with his chewed nail. He takes the Band-Aid off of it, oh. and then he looks back, and the Band-Aid's back on. Now, here's what kind of drove me nuts, is he opens his desk, and he has staple removers, but then he also has scissors, and the Band-Aid won't come off, and instead of just reaching for the scissors and cutting it off, he, like, pulls at it with the staple oh, removers oh, and then we so reveal much. that he's <laughs> he's removing his own nail oh. with the staple removers which is very upsetting i mean over the course of this movie that he removes all of the nails on one of his hand oh yeah oh it's so gross i hated this so much and he puts on a band-aid and he looks down and there's a book lying open like spine up yeah. on the floor and he goes into the other room to get the kids now here's the other thing when he first looks and sees the book spine up, that's the only book there is. Yeah. He brings the kids back into the office to be like, quit messing with the stuff in my office. And now every book in the office is splayed out that way. In like two separate rows. Which part of me is like, dude, you know, it wasn't like that before you left the office. Like clearly it wasn't the kids, but he basically says like, hey, I hear you messing around in there at night. They both deny it. We know that that's not the case. I mean, knowing what we know, having seen uh, one of the scenes coming up, we know he did it. Right. He did it. Yeah. And he says, uh, while you're at it, please stop messing with mom's plants, which are giant. So we cut to modern day where she's telling him about the dead plants. And he is basically trying to argue with her using logic where he's like yeah there was a problem with the water supply your plants haven't died yet and there were other variables in the house you know mom was not of sound mental health at the time it's possible she stopped watering them we don't know and then she brings up the dog and he basically says look my therapist told me to research parvo i think our dog had parvo that's what I would have told my therapist. You're a therapist, not a veterinarian. <laughs> well, we do. We cut to a scene of the dog laying down, just like not really eating and not playing. We have some indications with uh, Katie Sackoff, like cleaning the carpet where they're like, well, maybe the dog was having accidents. We don't know. It's just kind of strange. We also get this one scene of, it's a flashback where the mom is talking to the dad and he's bought a gun because she keeps seeing people in the office. So they think they had somebody like intruding. It's just the mirror. It's implied that it's him. I think it's the mirror. It calls her a grotesque cow. Yeah, it, but the way it's shot, you can't tell because it, fa- it tracks yeah. her as she walks out. And you hear him say, you grotesque cow. Yeah. It's horrible. I don't know though, because like, that's how my grandparents fought. Oh, jeez. Really? Oh, Mikey. Yeah. You ever watch your grandfather just throw a remote control at your grandmother? No. no. No, I have never watched that. That's a horrifying thing. The more I learn about, like, your family, the more I understand your predicament. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, back in present day, they put the dog in front of the mirror, and the alarms go off, so they drink water and start to eat, and the dog in front of the mirror starts to whimper, but they put a sheet over the dog like she's going to pull off a vanishing trick like she's a magician. And I realize, Paige, right. you would have been super into that. But it drove me ah! insane. It drove ah! me insane. No! No! <laughs> oh, you would have loved him to get in that wardrobe and you say, ta-da, he'd be no! gone. No, no. <laughs> it just drove me insane that they put a sheet over it. 
Yeah. Like that seems so dumb. If it's going to kill the dog, which thankfully it does not, but if it's going to kill yeah. the dog, I don't want to see it. Like, come on. I mean, I, I mean, I'm glad the dog got away. I'm not saying that. I just think for what she's trying to prove, why would she cover it? Yeah. I don't know. Well, and we get a flashback to their family dog, which, who clearly knows that something is up with that mirror. Oh yeah. Yeah. He really sees it in black and white. but the dog is barking at the office and starbuck lets it in or starbuck goes to open the office door the dog bites her and she hears voices in the office but there's no one there and this is where they have kind of their first fight of like you're lost in your own world what's going on with you and the kids are hearing that fight upstairs yeah so then we cut to the next day where the dad's gonna go golfing and their mom is clearly like not okay already. She's starting to yeah. lose it. And the dog is freaking out, barking at the office door. So she just puts the dog in the office and it kind of whimpers and cries. And then she can't get back into the office. And the kids wait outside the office till their dad comes home and they open the office door and the dog is just gone. Yeah, and like it's vanished. never found. Yeah. Vanished. But this is where he argues, like, yeah, I think the dog had parvo. I think they took the dog to be put down, and you just don't remember it. Well, and we even see a scene of that. That's right. in the movie, where the mom is on the phone with the dad, and the dad's saying, I only think one of us is coming home. From the vet. Yeah. Like, like, the dog right. is dying. Yeah, like, it's real sad, but we don't know which one's reality at this point. Right. And he's basically arguing, like, hey false memories are a thing you're misremembering that a mirror ate a dog like what's more likely that our our dog died and our parents took it to the vet like normal parents or that a mirror ate it and it turns out it's the mirror i don't know i can't I don't know what to tell you about this movie <laughs> that, okay but that doesn't bother me this is a horror movie things like that are supposed to happen in a horror movie right so that didn't bother me that it was the mirror disappears the dog but whatever so they can hear their parents fighting downstairs yeah and they can hear what sounds like their dad talking to somebody in the office, but they come downstairs, it's just their parents. Their mom tucks them back in. And then we cut to modern day where Kaylee is confronting Tim about it, where she's like, you have to remember that there was a woman and we saw her. The woman I saw through the window, mom was always home, so I know it wasn't her. And we see this scene again, kind of like with the dog, where we see like what I would call like a rational version of this, right. where Tim, the son, is convinced that their father was having an affair and that it was slowly driving their mother crazy is basically what was happening. Right. That's like his version of events, which to me is insane. Like if you were going to have an affair on your wife, obviously don't do that. Don't That's not do what it I'm in saying. the house. But yeah, like why would you bring the woman into your home office to do that? Like none of that <laughs> makes any office. sense to me. Yeah. We're only having an affair in this office. Nowhere else in the house. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he does say at one point that he's like, I saw her in the office and on the stairs and then she went back to the office. I I think she lives there but that's later yeah but it's just so strange uh what we get is a section of kaylee saying after they died i have access to everything and there was no sign of an affair there was no receipts there were yeah. no calls i talked to all their friends and co-workers if if he was having an affair the woman was a ghost spoiler because she was nowhere and he basically at this point is like you need help because you have not dealt with this. You have not processed it. I have. You need to get some help. And they kind of walk out into the hallway and continue to have this conversation. Yeah. She turns around and looks into the room and stops frozen in fear. And she just says, 
there it is. And he kind of joins her to look, and they look inside the room, and all the plants are dead, and the cameras have all been moved towards the mirror, and the temperature gauges are showing a, a significant temperature increase. It's like two or three degrees. Up to this point in the movie, I thought it was really, really good. I, I loved it. Yeah, Except I for the scary part parts. Just because this reveal that we're about to see, Paige, when she it's goes great. to the third camera that's like bolted into the wall... I loved it because then we see the exact scene we just saw play out. We see them in this room, same dialogue, but them moving the cameras together. They're the people that made the changes to that room. I loved it. I was like, oh my God, the mirrors making them do things and see things that aren't real. Like I was like, that is so cool. And then I feel like the rest of the movie does not execute the resolution to that in any way. Right. But she shows him that footage of basically like, you don't remember moving those, do you? I don't either. We were outside. We didn't think we were doing it. And he goes to what we would assume is make a phone call to his therapist. And she says, well, you have to go outside the range of influence or else you don't really know who you're talking to. And so they kind of walk out into the rest of the house. And she's saying that they've measured the influence of the mirror at 30 feet. We will find out that that is not the case, that this mirror seems to have unlimited influence, I would say, at least once you've been exposed. But they they never really leave that 30 foot radius, though. They do because they go upstairs and a couple other places. Yeah, but that's not for 30 feet up. Only go out onto the front yard, too. But I mean, they might still be within 30 feet. I don't know. That's the thing. It's like you never know when they're actually outside versus when they're in the 30 feet because it's not really clear where exactly they're moving if they're moving at all. Because at a certain point in this movie, it kind of argues that they haven't moved. They've just been there and they're like astral projecting. I don't know. The movie's not super clear on it. So... He tries to make a call and it's static. He can't get a call to go through. And then he realizes that he's back inside the house and he's like, how did I get back in here? I was outside. And she says, no, you weren't. Did you think you were outside? And he's like, yes. And she's like, well, because you're still here, I know we're going to win, which doesn't make any sense. Cause I'm like this, this mirror just upended your entire camera system. What do you think is going to happen? Like, what are you talking about? I mean, I sort of understood that line just because in her mind, as a family unit, we can beat it together. As long as we stay together, spoiler alert, they split up every chance they get for the rest of the movie. But it also doesn't seem to matter if they're together or not, because it can definitely get two people at once. So like, and it does, who cares? Cause it does, which is also not a surprise because we know it was affecting both the mom and the dad. Do you know who can't get two people at once? You yeah, this guy. <laughs> Mikey, that's good, though. You shouldn't be doing that. It's a pandemic, yo. Yeah. I'm vaccinated. But they might not be. Who cares? Oh, my God. Mikey, I can't cut <laughs> anything. You told I'm me sorry. I can't cut I'm anything. Sorry. I'm sorry. Why? Why am I doing worse with this rule? I kept my work makeup on for this. <laughs> <laughs> that is what she's going to say when she comes yeah, up with Yeah, that's not place. the first time I've said that. Wait, that's not the first time you've said that? No edits. all right we gotta move on we gotta move on anyway we get a flashback to the kids who kind of see their mom standing in front of the mirror in the office just holding the vacuum in place and swaying back and forth yeah and they're clearly observing like mom's not okay and we cut to the kitchen where she's serving them toast for dinner and she just has like a bottle of wine yeah And they're like, when's daddy coming home? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know where he is. I only know where he told me he was. Yeah, these kids are like 10 and 12, I think is what they are. I would have run away. 
I would have gotten out of that house. There, There is a point where they're running away from her in the office and the front door is right there and they do not run outside. They just run upstairs and that baffles me in this yeah. movie. I don't know. I would have ran away long before like the end. I would have been like, my parents are losing it and abusive. I've got to get out of here. I don't know, man. I yeah. feel like in that situation, I don't know what I would have done as a 12 year old. And I do feel like at one point she goes and gets the neighbor next door, or maybe not next door, but someone they yeah, know. Yeah, but people believe adults. Yeah. I know, I know, I know. But I feel like she does everything she can do as a child yeah. to sort of resolve the issue. I don't think we should blame them. I would have ran away. Ran away. But all I'm saying is like, they're, they're kids. They did the best they could. They didn't know what they were dealing with in regards to the mirror there's a point at which they're in peril and i don't know why they don't run out of the house at that point but i feel like up to that point they they do pretty much everything they can but right now they're sitting at the table and she's asking them like tell me more about the woman in the office and this is where we get the story from tim that's like i think she lives in the office which to us suggests like She's not a real woman because you would know if someone else was living in your house and we've been in and out of that office a bunch. Yeah. I just thought the mirror wardrobe was like a portal to like the Narnia strip club. I'm just picturing Mr. Tumnus dancing on the lamppost. I'm sorry. I spaced out for a second. But yeah, because there's no rules, the mirror can be whatever you want, Mikey. Yeah. So she sends him upstairs to play. And then she goes to the office and throws the doors open. She sits down at the computer and she's looking through his notes and she just sees the name Marisol scribbled all over his notes. Kind of like the all work and no play, you know, idea. Right. Do you know who Marisol is? I think she's the one who had the miscarriage of the names that she listed out. Oh, uh, yeah, because I was also confused. Yeah, <laughs> I had no because idea who that was. I thought it was like only... a brand of window cleaner, like Windex. Oh, God. <laughs> the, the only reason I think that that's who it is is because that seems to be the ghost that appears the most often in that office. And from what we know from her listing out where the mirror's been, that was the last. That was the most recent so I think maybe whoever the last ghost was is the one that you get. So it's like it follows, sort of? Kind of, but then we see all the ghosts later. Yeah, yeah at the but, end they all get to come out, yeah. Because we do see her in the crime scene photos in the nightgown with like a red streak basically down the middle of her nightgown. And then when we see the ghost later, she's still in that same nightgown with that blood streak. I think that is Marisol. I might be wrong, but that's what I think. Okay. But Katie Sackhoff in this scene thinks that that's who he's having an affair with. She thinks it's a real person. So she knocks everything off the desk and then puts it all back. And then she breaks a photo of their family and it has shards of glass on it. Yeah. And I thought for sure she was going to take shards of glass and mutilate herself that's i fully thought that that's i thought that too happen. but that's not what happens she does try to throw one of those paperweights that has like a pen attached to it yeah she throws that at the mirror and even though she throws it direct it glances left and hits the wall yeah and as she does that the room kind of swims and she's transfixed by her reflection but it's different than she is in real life like it is not a reflection a true reflection and her reflection opens her dress to reveal her c-section scar open and bleeding and her reflection has glowing eyes yeah and as she's looking at this the kids run into the office and she's she had screamed that's what draws them down there yeah but then she's just staring into the mirror and you see her fiddling with where her scar is like right. from behind, you don't see what she's doing. I thought, I thought it was, was gonna be. I thought it was gonna be. She dug into her scar, or she used the glass to cut the it glass, open. Yeah. yeah, I thought she was gonna use the glass to cut her scar open. Yeah. Um, but they approach and she turns and she has kind of a weird smile on her face and tries to strangle Tim. Yeah. 
and the daughter pulls Tim away. They run away from her. And this is where they run past the front door to get upstairs. And I'm like, run outside. Go outside. <laughs> it's right there. But they're kids. They don't know what they're doing. They're just trying to get away from somebody who's trying to kill them. I mean, your mom just tried to kill you. So, yeah, I mean, you can run outside. I mean, yeah, but that may not be the first thing you think to do. Hot take. These kids deserve to die. <laughs> what? No. Mikey, I can't cut anything. You told me no cuts. I do, I do think this is a very tangible, scary moment of it like is very scary. What if what if you are one of those children and and your parent is struggling with mental wellness and you can't trust your safety around them? That is yeah. very scary. Yeah. Like that is a very scary concept. I think it's something that they don't really explore as much as they could in this movie because they make it kind of a boogeyman scenario instead of a kind of a grounded in reality scenario. We get a little bit more of it in a few scenes. But I found that to be not necessarily scary in the in the case of like a movie scary, but like if that happened to you, that would be very, very hard to grapple with, I would think. Yeah, agree. So they run upstairs, they lock themselves in, in one of the rooms, and she's just banging her head and hands against the door, which is very scary. Very hereditary vibes. Very, very hereditary vibes. Yeah. And I realize this predates hereditary, but it's it reminded me of that scene in hereditary. The the one in hereditary, I think, is more unnerving because it's faster and harder. And she's upside down floating. Yeah. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. Uh their dad comes home, he approaches her and pulls her away from the door, and she's bleeding. Like she has cut her head. Yeah. And she advances on him and tries to grab his head and he tries to restrain her in self-defense. And he basically chokes her into unconsciousness. He chokes her out like macho man, Randy Savage. Oh, your mom wants to come into this house. Like she runs it, but I'm the cream of the crop. (laughs) Close your door. Daddy's so. (laughs) That would have been amazing. Honestly. I would have watched that. I would watch a full exact remake of this where the dad is played by Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh my God. (laughs) I think the movie you're referring to is called Mr. Mom, but it's actually Hulk Hogan. (laughs) So he chokes her out in the hallway and he calls 911 and the kids are kind of, start to come out and he tells them to go back into their room says she's going to be fine and at first i thought like he's going to call 911 he's of sound mind i thought yep. that too because he's been away from the house golfing i thought maybe mm-hmm. he got you know because he wasn't within the bluetooth radius of the kind of like amityville like yeah, he yeah, got enough of, distance yeah. yeah so the house lights flicker and all all we hear on the phone is static so he hangs up, pushes her off of him, and then drags her unconscious body into the bedroom. Yeah. The kids try to open the door again, and they watch as he walks through the hallway carrying chains and a hammer. And they say, is mommy okay? And he just says, go to bed. And we cut back to the future. And <laughs> we gotta go back! We gotta go back, buddy! <laughs> um, they reset the cameras, uh, but the display is wrong. It's Karen Gillen looking at the cameras. Yeah. And... Tim kind of notices that the lights flicker. We get another flashback where their father is basically like, Hey, your mom's really sick. You can't go in the bedroom. She needs to rest. Um, but you can play video games in here. And they're like, but you said we couldn't be in here. And he's like, no, you can be in here. What are you talking about? And the lights come back on again and the flickering lights become 
I think an indication of visions or visuals in the movie, but like, because it's not really explained and it's not easy to track, it just becomes like, a, oh, something weird's going to happen. And now I've already gotten clued to it. So it wrecks jump scares and stuff too. I honestly thought it was just a way for them to cover cuts that they had to do. Yeah, maybe. So, I mean, but that's just from like a production standpoint, what I was thinking. Yeah. And because it doesn't track storologically, which is a word I'm making up to make this sentence make sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But anyway, the lights go on again. The displays for the cameras are now correct. And she's telling him to eat because she needs his help. So they walk through the house changing the emergency lights. And as they do, they get flashbacks. But how much do people need to eat in one night if they're fighting a mirror? Like, can't you just, like, do some protein bars and, like, just start by the mirror? Well, that's what they are eating. They're eating protein bars. Yeah, they're eating protein bars. But we also have no idea how much time they've been there. And the alarms are the only thing that tell them. Mm. And if we're going by the alarms, they've only been there for two hours, which is crazy. Like, that it's... The length of this movie, basically, is the only time they've been there. Yeah. So as they're changing lights, as they're separated in the house, whenever they kind of, like, look around the room, they either see themselves or the other sibling as a child. And it kind of swaps them in and out of flashbacks. And this is where the movie gets so fucking confusing. I was getting angry taking notes where I was just like, and we're flashing back. Now we're flashing forward. Now we're back again. Now we're forward again. What time is it? I don't know. I don't know where anyone is. I don't know what anyone's even trying to do at this point in the movie. It's not. There's a lot of mixed flashes where like it's adult him with child her or whatever, and you know, and vice versa. Her with child yeah. him yeah, like yeah. passing in the hallways yeah. and things like that. Yeah. And, and, and you lose check. Cause I'm like, okay, is he hallucinating that it's child her or is it actually the flashback? or and i guess it's supposed to disorient you like the mirror does but i feel like it's so disorienting if you can't watch the movie i'm just like what is happening yeah i'm like i don't want to be murdered in the movie either you know what i mean like (laughs) yeah i don't don't need the movie to do it all and i think they're kind of using it as a little bit of a vehicle for like misdirects and scares because this is also where we get her changing a light bulb which is one that he's already changed twice by the way because we watch him change it twice and then she changes it well, she changes it twice, too, because it immediately goes out when she puts the ball right, back in right. it. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But, but how many siblings does it take to change the light bulb? <laughs> Apparently more than two, because she sets the light bulb down next to the apple she was eating and then walks away, bites into the light bulb. Oh, my God. Spits glass everywhere, pulls I a huge hate, chunk of glass out of her mouth. I hated but this so much. he walks back into the room. And it's an apple again, and she's fine, and the light bulb is untouched. Yeah, and her mouth is fine. Right. But we did get a lot of, like, mouth gore that was, ugh, Yeah. It was this all happens, too, so fast where, like, I feel like it loses its punch. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, and, like, no sooner has he been like, yeah, it's fake, that he has a flashback where he's, like, seeing the TV in the corner from child view, and then he's back as a child and he's looking in the fridge and there's nothing in the fridge so they try to go find their dad and they're like you need to go grocery shopping i love how he's like it's on my list (laughs) he just does not care yeah and we need to call a doctor for mom it's on my list yeah and climbing up the stairs they decide that they're gonna go ask mom for food because they're just like i can't he he doesn't care he's not listening to us so they go into mom's room And we kind of get a shot from the perspective of where Katie Sackhoff is as the kids enter the room. And there's bloody sheets and smashed up pieces of plates on the floor. Yeah. 
and Katie Sackoff jumps up and she is chained to the wall and has clearly been eating the plates. Oh my God. I jumped and screamed a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's very unnerving. It's very disturbing. They run back downstairs and they're talking to their dad and they're like, she needs a doctor. Like you've changed her to the wall. What the fuck? And he's like, it's called role play. Grow yeah, up. Yeah, I'll show you a series of contracts. Twelve year olds are not <laughs> dumb. Like if you see your mom chained to a wall, you're like, we got to get out of here. Nobody's this kinky. Yeah. Right. Uh, so they try to call a doctor from the phone book, and every single doctor has the same voice and says, you have to have your father call. Yeah. Which is going to come back later. Pretty sure doctors are mandatory reporters. So like if you called them and said something like this, they would have yeah. to report it, right? Yeah, I'd be like, you stay in the line. I have to call 911 because there's something terrible happening in your house. Yeah. But I get, like, th- this is the mirror they're talking to. So, like, I'm not mad that, that that is not what happened. But, yeah. Right. But this is the one that I was just like, oh, this is so brutal. So she leaves the house. She goes and finds a neighbor and brings them over. Yeah. And the neighbor believes the dad. And it's heartbreaking because if you're a true crime nerd, this happens all the time. Yeah, it does. Where like you a narrow miss and somebody could have been saved if somebody had just believed what someone was saying. But so as the neighbor's leaving, we see that the dad's hands are all chewed and bloody. And this is where we get a scene of the two kids saying, we're going to have to get really, really brave and we cut to present day can i just say this before we move on like i hated that scene with the neighbor so much because the neighbor could have just been like well cool can i talk to your wife really quick or whatever and i listen i totally get why the neighbor didn't ask to do that like their neighbors it's like but i mean if he's so close to being able to help them and like if the door was open a little bit wider or you saw his other hand that is completely bloody that would have been the end of it right oh it's just so heartbreaking i know it's it's brutal um he wouldn't have seen it because the mirror has unlimited power well i mean that's true too maybe that guy would have just died we don't i don't know you might be right we don't even know if that guy was really there because this movie has no rules yeah yeah it has all the rules and no rules at the same time yeah it's bonkers so we flash forward and tim is upstairs looking at the same point where the kids watched the neighbor come over yeah and we cut downstairs to kaylee who's sitting by the kill switch and resets it she calls for tim an alarm goes off and she throws it so she's clearly being affected by the mirror because she's not listening to her own alarms even so we cut back into flashbacks and this is where it's flipping where it's like kid tim and adult kaylee and kid kaylee and adult tim and they're kind of walking through the house and as they're doing it kaylee walks downstairs passing child tim and she's kind of setting up lights that are not tied to electricity because the power is out in the house she kicks one of the planters so it shatters so there's a dead plant with a shattered planter and as she makes her way back down the stairs she as she turns on her light sees her mom's chain says it's not real tosses it to the side we flash back to them asking their dad to fix the lights but He's not paying attention. And the worst part about this part, when he's not the dad acting all this stuff, when he keeps referring to the wife as the old ball and chain. Oh, yikes. Oh, Mikey. <laughs> Mikey, it's honestly better when you don't write jokes, when you just say what you think. <laughs> I've been waiting for this one for days. <laughs> 
<laughs> we cut to a flashback. They're asking the dad to fix the lights. He really he keeps on a short it. leash. Goodbye. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> oh, my God. Mikey, <laughs> he, no. He won't do it. And she advances to the door. So she kind of like comes after them. So they run upstairs. And then we cut back to modern day where she comes downstairs and sees shards on the floor thinking that they're part of the plates that her mother was eating. And she films it with her phone and they're gone. So she thinks that because they don't appear on camera, they're gone. We're going to find out immediately that the rule means nothing because... Yeah, I thought that was cool though. When it happens the first time and she's using her phone and she's like, oh, they're not really there. I was like, oh, that's an awesome and genius way to know. I thought that was a really cool mechanic. Yeah, because it's not, you know, Samara in a well making you see things on it. Well, I guess Samara couldn't do it either because it's on digital. Yeah, she needs the film. So yeah, I mean, I guess it's just like if Samara was trying to like implant things in your brain that'd be a good way to hijack their ability but but it doesn't matter like we find out very very quickly that that does not mean anything right because she picks up a shard thinking that it's not real and then she sees what she thinks is her mom and it surprises her and she turns and stabs her in the neck dude that reveal of her mom behind her scared me so bad i oh man there's so many scares in this movie that really really got me yeah but yeah you're right Paige. she stabs her mom in the neck but it's not her mom it's her fiance it's not her mom it's her fiance and he collapses and bleeds out and her brother comes running and she basically says do you see him and they both do her brother comes in and is like what'd you do yeah what'd you do <laughs> and as they're watching him her phone rings on the hour just like her fiance told her that he would yeah because her fiance has been calling every hour her fiance right. michael this is just you wishful thinking. No, I mean, <laughs> honestly, I think it checks out, though, because Michael does ghost her at the end of this movie. Oh, <laughs> sad and alone. Damn. Oh, that's, that's... <laughs> <laughs> um, but so at this point, we're like, which one is real? And as she runs her phone back over where the shards were, we see the planter that she yeah. kicked. And now we can see it. We couldn't see it a couple minutes ago. So that means even the phone is not reliable for what's real and what's not. Right. So, And we also see him dead. We see through the phone him dead. Right. And that's when she like, oh, my God, I did kill my fiance, which she did. Right. She did. So and she at this point, she's like the plate wasn't real. But then it turns out it was the shard. And at this point in my notes, I just have what are the rules of this movie? What is what is real? What is not? How are we ever supposed to know? And if I can't know, how do I know the stakes of when people die or not? Like, what do I care? Because I can't tell you if it's real or not. I don't know what's happening, basically. Yeah, exactly. So they go outside. He tries to make a call on his cell phone. And they think that help is coming. Yeah, he tries to call the cops, right? Yeah, and he's like, well, what if we just stay out here? Your plan is solid. There's the kill switch. Yeah, we can just stand out here and watch it die through the window. Right. We're more than 30 feet away. I just called the cops. It's going to be fine. We'll just watch it die. Right. And But then they look in the mirror and see themselves staring into the mirror. Yeah, like face right against it. It's so eerie. I hated that so much. Well, and now the question is, is mirror them real or is lawn them real? Because the police do show up, which means I think lawn them was real. I think so, too. And and mirror was a like a projection. Yeah. And by going back into the house, they kill themselves. Uh, like essentially well they kill her yeah they they, kill her yeah yeah. she was already in trouble like she killed the guy yeah that's why i wanted it to be like an elaborate illusion because like at that point the mirror's already one run because your life is is totally screwed right 
and, and she had her phone. She essentially films herself on her own phone, killing her fiance. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so they decide to go back. They they try to call for help again, and it's just static. And then it says you're going to have to have your father call. So they know that that's the house, or at least the mirror. Right. And that also makes you think that the phone call to the police wasn't real. Which again, is it? The police show up at the end, or do they, Paige? Or do they? Because by the rules of this movie, they make those calls in the same place. Mm-hmm. So how are we to know which one is real, which one is not? There's no way to know. Yeah, I think the whole end of this movie could be. It is as you see it He goes to jail She is dead I also think it could be They're still trapped in the house And we don't actually see The end of this movie It could be that It could also be that She didn't kill the fiance That was completely implanted By the mirror And he's the one Who called the authorities Because she didn't answer her phone Could be Because he was calling on the hour And if she didn't answer Who knows We don't know Yeah That's the problem (laughs) Anyway They go back into the house Because they say that they're going to have to get really, really brave, even though they don't tell us at all what their plan is. And the second they go back into the house, we're back into the flashback, flash forward, flashback, flash forward. Right. Kind of what I think is what played out in the house that night, where the dad gets the gun after they've tried to call the neighbor and everything on him. Yeah. Right. He loads the gun, and then he unlocks the mom who comes after the kids but then, like, realizes what she's doing, lets them go. While she's, like, legit choking the shit out of her daughter. And yes. then And then eventually comes to, and she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And then that's when the dad comes in and shoots her twice, like, puts her down. Right. And as we're going through this whole night, we keep flashing forward, which I don't think is really useful because we don't learn anything by them flashing forward. They're just in different parts of the house and then they're immediately back in a flashback. And I'm like, why didn't we just stay in a flashback so that we get the story and we understand what's happening so that they can take action? But it's just kind of jumbled. Dad shoots the mom. Yeah. And then they're kind of running from a whole crew of mirror people that are now throughout the house. Yeah. And they're sort of guiding them into where they want them, where the mirror wants them. Yeah. Like hurting them. Right. And their dad gets Kaylee up against the mirror, pulls the gun. He's going to shoot her. And Tim knocks the gun out of his hands with a golf club. So they basically try to argue with their dad. They're like, this isn't you. Like, please don't shoot us. And then this kind of pull, he does this whole, like, it's me. I've seen the devil. He is me is his line, which I think, and I don't know. I don't know if Flanagan is a a true crime fan, but it just reminded me of I'm the devil and I'm here to do the devil's work, which is Manson. Yeah, not, not Charles Manson, one of the Manson family before they killed somebody. Yeah, because Manson didn't kill anybody. Well, he probably did. He cut, but... he cut somebody's ear off. As far as we know, Manson did not kill anybody. Right. In in the murders, maybe previously. Yeah, in his there's, life. The, there's the one previously that we that maybe, but yeah, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, so the dad tries to strangle Kaylee, but lets her go. And then Tim aims at his dad. In self-defense, I would say. It's just trying to kill them. Yes. Oh, he is completely justified in shooting his dad here. Yeah. And what you're about to explain, I feel like, absolves him of any wrongdoing at all. Yes. 
because his dad kneels in front of him and then holds the gun and pulls the trigger himself. Yeah, he like pushes it with his thumb while his son's yeah. fingers on it. Well, he tells them run, which I thought was creepy. Well, and and I think this is him fighting whatever has had a hold Agreed. over him. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I liked it. I was like, oh, the dad is like overpowering the demon that is inside him or the mirror that is controlling him or whatever is happening in this movie. Right. And so as he, as it shoots him, he falls back against the mirror and it cracks, which I, again, this was almost a thing of like, oh, is that how they defeat it through like the power of fighting it? That like you can actually fight it? I don't know. It doesn't Oh, you mean it. like by fighting it internally within yourself? That'll yes. start. Oh, yes, yes. That would be interesting. I mean, that's not shown at all. That's I, the only crack in the mirror. Like, I know. That, that's the only thing. But that, I thought yeah. it was the bullet going through him hitting the mirror. I, I had no idea. Like, they, none of it is explained. That's one of the things that drives me crazy yeah. about it. Like we, we also don't even know if the ending damages the mirror. We never find that out either. Right. Anyway, so now they're alone in the house with the mirror people. And this is the scene that Mikey and I both referenced earlier where the alarm goes off and it's from their mouths. Yeah. Which is very unnerving. Oh, God. Oh, so creepy. So this was much. the scariest part that I had. Oh, yeah. I mean, this wasn't like a jump scare. So it wasn't like a, oh, my God. It was like a, oh, my God. What is happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So essentially, the alarm like pulls them out of it. And Tim is now in present day where he thinks he's alone in the room with the mirror. Yeah. All the lights are on. Everything seems to be functioning normal. And he's like, fuck it. I'm going to kill this bitch. Well, the problem is because Kaylee is now awake in the child timeline, yeah. I guess. And she's in the office with a golf club and she can hear the whispers from the mirror and sees her mother who reaches out to hug her Yeah, in present time. Tim is like, I don't know if the kitchen timer has been reset, but in past with Kaylee, she walks to the mirror to her mom's waiting arms and hugs her. Tim triggers the kill switch, pinning adult Kaylee to the mirror dead because she was standing there in his timeline as well. Yeah. And we cut to a flashback of the two of them where she basically says, I want you to promise me when we're big and strong, we will make this right and we will come back and kill this thing. And as she bleeds out against the mirror in the present day timeline, the police arrive and she's dead and he's definitely going back to that facility. No, he's definitely going to jail. We don't have mental health facilities for adults. He's going to jail. <laughs> we do have mental health facilities for adults. He he would definitely have a strong case for not guilty by reason of mental defect. I mean, he would maybe. be arrested and booked for murder and then sent out for a forensic eval yeah 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 uh we cut to him as a kid being interviewed about their father's death and being arrested as a child then we cut to the present where he's handcuffed again and he's saying the same things of like it wasn't my fault it was the mirror and the first responders are like yeah he's the one who called it in i don't know (laughs) like why did he call i mean they are just as confused as we are as the audience yeah and they put him in the back of a police car we get a brief flashback to as children when he was arrested when she says don't forget our promise and as adult him pulls away in the car he sees his entire dead family in the house in the room where the mirror is hanging yeah as mirror people with the shiny eyes yeah and, and that's, that's the movie. movie. So having seen it, having talked about it, what do you guys think? Give me some final thoughts. Now that I've talked about it, I like it less. <laughs> Fair enough. I think as far as it being just scary, it is very scary. 
If you're wanting a scary movie with a good story, you're going to have to look at Mike Flanagan's later work because he has made some much better stuff since this that is both super scary and has a very compelling story. I think this is just some of his early work. He was figuring stuff out and story-wise, it's not really that great. But other than that, like I understand why they wanted me to watch this because they want to scare the shit out of me and they did. This movie scared the shit out of me, but I don't like nihilistic endings. I don't like endings where it feels like the writer of the movie's like, eh, I don't know. It wins because it feels like he gave the mirror so many superpowers that they just could not win. So they didn't. There was no way they could overcome it. And then he ends it with them talking to each other. After Karen Gillum's died, we see the flashback of promise me that we're gonna when we're big and strong destroy this thing like it ends with their promise of what uh, ultimately ends in her death that was just so like nihilistic and sad to me i'm gonna have to go ahead and steal a todd thing which is <sighs> they should have just burned the house down thank you with the mirror inside thank it you. yeah yes and then if I, it lives through that, you're like, let's just let's, not touch this let's mirror Let's run anymore. away from yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Leave a note that's like, hey, this mirror be haunted. Please stay away. Also, movies with unreliable narrators make it very difficult to understand what's going on unless they're done very, very, very well. Yeah. And this movie is not done in a way that makes it very clear what is actually happening and what the characters are thinking is happening right so we're left very confused as the audience yeah and i i feel like this movie it it overpowered its villain in service of creating very creepy imagery yeah but because it couldn't back that up story-wise it's kind of wasted because you're just so confused and trying to figure it out that for me I didn't find this movie very scary because I was too confused. That's where I was. You know? Because even the jump scares, I was like, I am not jumping for some reason. I think it's because... there, There's a part of me that wants, like, modern-day Mike Flanagan to do a rewrite on this. Yeah, you can see him, like, getting his legs, but, I, you know... He becomes much better. All right, Paige, you have some fun facts for us? I do. So nice. we already kind of yeah. talked about how uh, originally they had offers to make this as found footage and didn't. Yeah. The, and we also talked about how this is uh, Karen Gillan's first American role. But she was also the first choice to play Kaylee because she had been on Doctor Who in 2005 and he was shopping the movie around to studios in 2006 and seven. Yeah. And he wanted her to play it even back then. So she has been, I guess, like brain cast <laughs> the whole time. Um, it was filmed in 24 days. Wow, that is fast. That is a blisteringly fast shooting schedule for sure. Yeah. And he actually includes the Oculus Mirror as an Easter egg in most of his shows. It's uh -huh. in... Yeah, it's in the basement of uh, Ouija Order, Origin of Evil. It's um, the headboard in Gerald's game. And it's really, yeah, it's on one of the walls in Haunting of Hill House. And it's also in the Overlook Hotel in Dr. Sleep. Okay. So, oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, this was actually filmed in 2012 and premiered at the Toronto Film Festival in 2013, but it wasn't released until April of 2014. So, this yeah. actually sat in development hell from 20, 2006 to 2014. Usually, when stuff sits that long, it gets kind of meddled with enough that your end product ends up being kind of confusing and maybe that's what happened with this i wonder if like, i think so maybe and this is one of his early movies and I, he's so good like it would not surprise me if 
uh, there's an article out there where you can read that the studio like noted this to death and didn't actually give him final cut on the right, movie. Right, right, And right. they just destroyed the edit of it. And then, you know, he's been trying to re-edit the, the movie for a while. And I would love, right. I would honestly love to see a, an updated edit of this movie that he did. Yeah, I, I would agree. Okay, so when she's going through photos of the previous victims, one of them is his wife. Oh. Uh, in one of the photos. Aww. Yeah. His wife, who was the lead in Hush? Yeah, yeah. Kate Siegel, I think is her name. So during the auction where the mirror is sold, it's said that it was acquired from the Levesque estate. And uh, WWE superstar Triple H's real name is Paul Levesque. And uh, WWE Studios is one of the producers on this film. But it's just a total coincidence because the film was already shot. uh, And it wasn't purchased. Yes, the film was already shot. It wasn't purchased by WWE Studios until after it had screened at Toronto. So it's just a complete coincidence. Wow. Um, Yeah. That's cool. That's wild. So in the house, all of the artwork around the house either shows reflections or water. So there's like black and white photos of lakes. There's one of boats sitting on a lake, but it's all reflection based. And in the script, apparently the original script to avoid the confusion between the timelines, the scenes that are in the past were all written in italics, which is interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. One of the people who was very, very vocal about loving this movie was Stephen King. Okay. There is a Bollywood remake of the movie. What? Called Dobara See Your Evil. It came out in 2017. What? Mm-hmm. Is there a dance number in it? I'm assuming it's a Bollywood movie. I honestly, I would. It probably isn't. It's probably just a horror movie. Man, I love Bollywood films. Man, that's awesome. Okay, sorry. Um, one of the police officers that arrives at the end was in three of Mike Flanagan's college films, um, and one of the victims of the mirror is named after his son, which seems like kind of an omen, but whatever. And those are our fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Do you guys want to talk some box office? Sure. sure. So what do you think the production budget was for this movie? I think it's actually probably pretty low because it's very few locations. It's two mm-hmm. people most of the time. Yeah, it's almost single location, two people. Uh, I guess the full cast is like seven people. Uh, yeah. I mean, you got a lot of ghosts at the end, but like, yeah. so I'm going to put this around 10 mil or under. Okay. Mikey, what do you think? Four million dollars. Oof, Mikey, you're so close. The production budget for this movie was five million dollars. Oh yeah, yeah, there so so go. close. Yeah, but that's not surprising. Flanagan knows how to stretch a budget. A lot of horror directors do very well with budgets. Yeah. Another one that comes to mind is a close personal friend of mine, Lee Wanell. Close personal friend. Hey, he follows me on Twitter, guys. I don't know what that means, but it's the the biggest compliment I've ever received. Anyway, okay. So this movie came out April 11th, 2014, and it was third the weekend it came out. It was beat by Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Uh, Number two that week was Rio 2. Oculus was number three. Number four was the Kevin Costner vehicle draft day. And number five was Noah. So what do you guys think it made its opening weekend? It was third that weekend up against some pretty decent sized movies. I remember there being a lot of buzz around this movie and people thinking it was really scary and thinking the trailer was really scary. It is really scary. So I'm I'm going to say this probably made like six or seven mil its first week. Okay, Mikey, what do you think? 12 million. I think Mikey's looking these up. 
It made twelve million five thousand four hundred and two dollars. He was oh, only yeah. wrong. He was only off by five thousand four hundred and two dollars. He's been on a roll recently. Almost like he looked it up. Me. I wish other parts of my life besides guessing box office were going as well as this. Literally, (laughs) it's the only thing going well in my life is guessing box office. So obviously it did pretty well that week. It made made more than twice its budget back. But what do you think it made in its remaining domestic box office run? So total domestic box office, what do you think it made? 40. Mikey, what do you think? 32. It made $27.6 million domestically total for its total domestic run. Uh, and then it made another 16.4, actually 16,420 <laughs> uh, in nice. international. Yeah. For a worldwide total of $44,115,496. And then went on to make another $4.4 million in domestic DVD and Blu-ray sales. And I got another three ninety nine from me last night when I had to watch it. So it's doing fine. It made plenty <laughs> of money. Uh, on its initial $5 million investment. So kudos to them. And they did make a very, very, very scary movie. So, Mikey, let's hit them with that scary scale. Mm. The scary scale, listeners, is a scale of 1 to 10 of how scary we found the film when we watched it this time. It's not a scale of quality, just of how scary we thought it was. Our one example is Ghostbusters, and our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, Paige. Three. Oh, my God. Really? I, I was debating giving it a two, and then I was like, no, there was some genuinely scary imagery. I was not really scared during this movie, but I do think it executed some scares well so i'll give it a three todd an eight i'm giving it a hardcore eight you're giving it an eight movie movie scared the shit out of me and i will not be shamed for my number I'm not shamed as much as I am confused, but okay. I am straight up shaming you. Mm -mm. This this movie (laughs) goes a solid hour within the movie with no scares. Uh, Not true. No. It does. There's an hour in the middle of this movie with no scares. No, it's all creepy, baby. No, this movie really scared me. It really scared me. Mikey, what do you give it? I'm going to give it a three just because of the alarm scene. Yeah. Yeah, that, that alarm scene and then... Katie Sackhoff's acting, I think, is how it gets a three for me. Man, I can't believe you guys rated it so low. This movie scared me so bad. Like, I have struggled to walk by mirrors today. I am going to sleep with the lights on again, again tonight. It's not real until it is. I don't believe in any of it, but I ain't going to fuck with it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't believe in any of it. I'm not going to fuck with it because you were saying it's not real until it is. And then I'm getting (laughs) the hell out of here. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. that's exactly how I feel about all of this. It's it super sticks with me and I hate it so much. And Natalie hates it because she she hates sleeping with the lights on. So you guys, when you pick really scary movies for the listener requests, you're really hurting Natalie. That's really the person you're, you're hurting. You're going to fucking hate next week. <laughs> oh, dear God. So this week, the listeners made me watch Oculus. What are you guys going to make me watch next week? I have talked a little bit in the Facebook group as people have recommended some movies about things that I would want to do for a cult month. Oh. And this month is going to be cult film month. And so our first film for cult film month is The Lodge. So a lot of people have said this is a very scary movie. This is one that's actually oft requested and talked about in the Facebook group. I think it's going to scare me because I haven't seen it either. Oh, wow. Um, Okay. So I I am afraid of this movie and that's why I'm (laughs) choosing it. There you go. All right, guys. So your homework for this week is to join a cult, possibly the Facebook group, and watch the movie The Lodge. Yep. And that is the more recent one. 
it came out like last year or 2019. Oh, are there two? Okay, so the 2019 Lodge, watch that, and you'll be geared up and ready to go for next Monday. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at M Randolph 24 and I am at Todd J Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm, than the regular mm-hmm. feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable. That's fine. But if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horror virgin. We also link it like once a week. So just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. We're closing in on 1600 members. It's amazing. You guys are awesome. And literally we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And guys, we got a PO box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a PO box, it's actually not a PO box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's, 6688 Nolansville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? All right, so the Megan Solo 11, Megan Solo 11. Yeah. So she's single. Oh, Mikey. <laughs> she says, excellent banter. And then she's talking about the signs episode, I think. Oh, yeah? This is why I picked this review. For the curious, each diocese is allowed up to two active married priests, <laughs> according okay. to the pastoral provision office, which facilitates the Vatican's policy via L.A. Times. This <laughs> came about in 1989. She sources. I love that. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> Thank you. This came about in 1989, supposedly. I have enjoyed most of the episodes and lady hosts, but the science episode was so, so fun. It was a lot of fun. I'm also generally a critic but I have a nostalgia soft spot for signs. So it was fun to hear it get rightfully ripped apart. We <laughs> always knew the water was silly, but I n- never thought I'd multiply other points and it stayed fun, not grumpy. I think the whole point, it was a, oh, Shyamalan screaming. Every little stupid, inexplicable thing in life happens for an incredibly vital reason. Very predetermined philosophy, but ultimately just trying to tell people not to get bent out of shape so often and maybe things will make more sense later. This movie won't, though. Well done and keep at it. Five stars. Well, thank you very much, Megan Solo One, for that awesome five-star review and explanation of how each diocese is allowed two married priests. There you go. I think that solves our question, actually. I think it does. Yeah, I appreciate that. Although, by the end of the movie, he's no longer married, so they have a free spot open in that diocese for a married priest. <laughs> There you go. This episode brought to you by Nick B. Nick B. Fun fact. Oh, yeah? The only uh, selfie he takes is full-length mirror selfies. Oh, yeah? Mm -hmm. They're haunting. (laughs) They are haunting. I'm not sure I've ever seen what Nick B. looks like. Has Nick B. ever participated in a, uh, like, the Chris selfie challenge that we did? I've seen pictures of Nick B. before. Oh, okay. Mm. 
In my DMs. In your DMs? <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick B, maybe you should uh, come out of Mikey's DMs uh, and join that Facebook group and join some of these <laughs> full-length mirror challenges that we're doing now, I guess. This episode also brought to you by... Ori. Ori and Ori was great because I was having some trouble with this thing in my house and uh, Ori and I were just talking about it one day and they were like, why don't we just go get some golf clubs and fuck it up? So we literally just attacked this thing with golf clubs in my house and it shattered and broke and it was fine. Everything was fine. No one died by getting an anchor stabbed through their neck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess as long as you're alive, there's always the chance that you will die via Yes, anchor through your neck. Yeah. But more chance if you're a sailor. Yeah. (laughs) Deadliest catch is no joke, guys. This episode also brought to you by Awesome Possum Blossom. And Awesome Possum Blossom wants me to give you some awesome possum facts. So here's one for you. Tell me about that possum. (laughs) Marsupials first evolved during the age of the dinosaurs. And fossil Mm -hmm. evidence suggests that possums have very similar features to those earliest pouch havers. Why didn't they bring one of those back for Jurassic Park? Could have been cute. Oh, would have been adorable. (laughs) We only want our rides to have murderous lizards. Honestly, think about it. On that ride, you climb inside a possum pouch. That's the ride. You get in the possum. I'm going to just go look at a bunch of videos of pangolins later to get my possum fix. (laughs) (laughs) This episode's also brought to you by Jeff. And Jeff would love it if you would check out his podcast on the show Jessica Jones called Kissing Jessica Jones, where each week they break down an episode of, you guessed it, the Netflix series Jessica Jones. And they kiss it. Yeah, they do. They kiss the screen on every one. They freeze it every time she's on screen and then kiss her. And if you're looking for something to feed your Jessica Jones, reach out to Bug Cage Company on Facebook because... They will send you some spiders, centipede, millipede, or any other apede that you might need direct shipped to you. Which is crazy that they'll ship you bugs. That should or should not be legal. I don't I don't know. I don't know. That just seems crazy to me that you can ship bugs through the mail. And if that is something that you want to do for pranking and or practical purposes, reach out to B- Bug Cage Company on Facebook. I'm sorry. Pranking or practical purposes is now gonna come up in every one time we <laughs> mentioned that. That, that, that when that came, rolled off my tongue i was very proud of myself you should be that was a good that's a good phrase i loved it all right we now return you to another vague and exploitative episode of uh, the, the patreonicals you guys want to hear about the road trip and bad people first or the other people let's do road trip we started with the other people last week let's do road trip this week on this episode of road trip they get a flat tire is that, is that it? Is that the whole thing? Well, see, what, what they do is they turn Dave into a tire and drive wow. with him as the tire to the and PCB. And he's getting pretty beefy because he's eating people again. Wow. You really going to steal my episode? <laughs> I, I read the cliff notes off your phone. First off, evil Matthew was driving. And what does he see? A possum. Tries to run it over. Oh, a tire. And it just hisses at him. Yeah, <laughs> they get a flat tire. Karoon is like, oh, Earthlings. They're so easy. Earthlings <laughs> and their tires. They're not easy. They're difficult because he's not having a good time. No, Karoon is having the worst road trip ever. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, Evil Matthew's like, hey, uh, will you guys change the tire? And then uh, so Dave and Isaac and Karoon get out. And he's like, 
this is like primitive baby technology. You have to like use your hands or whatever. <laughs> and, it's like and, a baby's toy. And Isaac was like, yes, or whatever. Yes. So um, he makes Dave hold the hubcap with the bolts in it as he changes the tire. Are you just telling us how to change tires right now? <laughs> and then Dave, I mean, you guys have seen a Christmas story. He drops the bolts in the grass or whatever. And he goes, budge. And he, so he says a bad word. But then Isaac gets so mad that he um, loses the bolts that he punches through his gut and kills him. <laughs> wow, that is a powerful punch. It was, a, it was a very strong well, reaction. It's good that he did the hole because then he puts his body on the thing for the tire to be the tire, and then they drive off into the sunset with, you know, Dave's body being the fourth wheel. Okay. So what happened to our other group of people? All right, so they're on a boat. I've really actually prepped this one more in my mind, so this will go better. And they're on the boat headed to the lost city of Atlantis that's in the Amazon where they think Chip is because Scott, who is made of rocks and the thing, has told them where they're going. And they're like, Scott, don't wait on the boat or whatever. Don't fall off. You'll, you'll sink, sink it. It's so heavy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's not a fat joke. It's a rock joke. <laughs> well, yeah, but he's always making jokes like, I'm rock hard. So he's got a real Mikey sense of humor? <laughs> so, he was, so he was in a fucking frat? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, guys, I pledged I felt a thigh. He wasn't a fraternity. <laughs> <laughs> Paige has doubled over right now in laughter. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I felt a thigh. That's a really good also bad joke it's, it's good and bad at the same time thank you i'm sure i stole it from somewhere i don't know i there's no way i made that up i cannot be the first person to have said that i, I was uh, in a sorority never heard that really? i love it really i can't yeah. guys someone tell me where that comes from because there's no way i made that up i carlos mencia the hell out of that <laughs> so anyway the dolphins are pulling the boat eddie's right. telling them where to go they're right. headed towards they're they're off the coast of Brazil and Argentina. Dude, get a map. <laughs> so anyway, crazy. a torpedo comes and blows up the dolphins. What? And uh, and he was like, but I they were my best friends, but they're they're all dead. All of them? I guess it could be the coast of Argentina. I guess. <laughs> I like making vague enough geographic references to frustrate Paige. Oh. Um, so Eddie's crying. Tristam is like, oh, my gosh, we're dead in the water. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Can we go back to I felt a thigh? <laughs> <laughs> oh. So anyway, um, it's one of the flying subs, but it's actually in the water. And they see it come in, but it's surface. <laughs> then you can just say it was. it's one of the sub subs. <laughs> it's one of the sub subs. It's like a regular sub. It's like a not a foot long, but like a regular yes, sub. Yes, master sub. <laughs> oh, that is a sub sub right there. Now Paige is talking my language. <laughs> so it fires a bunch English. of English. It's been that whole time. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, my bad, my bad. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Kate turns them around their psychic powers and then uh, holds them for a second. And then Sasha like really like contemplates uh, like where to hit the other sub. And then um, they shoot the torpedoes back and destroy the sub. And they're all like, oh, well, now we're stuck in the water. Um, but then Scott is like, oh, actually, Amy's like, Scott, I'm an astronaut, like super smart. I know how to navigate things. <laughs> she ties the anchor to him and he sinks to the bottom because he's made a rock and he like pulls the boat. That's got to be real slow going, but I'm sure it gets the job done. I've heard that before. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
<laughs> so anyway, um, th- they make it to the Amazon River. Okay. And then Tristam was like, I don't want to be a boat anymore. I want to be a person. And he transforms back into a person, and they make a, they make a raft out of logs, and they're going to go down the river. But he's a boat person, so he's fully wearing, like, you know, a polo shirt, like Dodger yes, shorts yes. and boat shoes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it. Is anyone else getting really tired of Dave dying every week? If they had, <laughs> I got it. I just got it. Oh wow! That's Boy, a... are my arms tired? tired. <laughs> That's what Dave said. If they have this much trouble with a sub sub, what's going to happen if they have to fight a dom sub? Don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Can anyone guess what pun this episode of the Patreonicals was based around? Find out next week on another episode of. The Patreonicals. This episode was finally brought to you by Chris. And Chris would just like to remind you that you are loved, you are listened to, and you are a valuable member of this awesome Horror Virgin community. And once again, please, please do come hang out with us in the Facebook group and or Discord where we talk and are kind to each other every day. That's going to be it for us this week. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin Todd. Keep it oogie spooky. Yeah. Have a great, amazing wonderful week reflection nerds